Northern Ontario provided views like she'd never experienced, better even than her drive through the Adirondacks. With wild rock faces and thick patches of forest, it was a haunting and beautiful drive along the Trans-Canada Highway, going from the top of the world into the deepest valleys and back into the clouds again. As she watched the ever-changing view of mountains through her windshield and in her rear view, she couldn't help but wonder if this is why she was referred to as Mother Nature. The undulating outline of the mountains against the sky was distinctly feminine, and it didn't take much imagination to see the shapely breasts and pregnant bellies and generous hips where the tree line etched itself against the kind of blue sky that only reveals itself in the north. Ladies resting on their backs or sides, containing the beauty of nature and their grand softness. Jude felt connected to this place, like part of herself lay there with them, a stamp of all the women there ever were. I wonder if I'm going to die here, she thought. I am Alana, and this is Racing Home, the podcast where I unpack the journey of writing the first book in a series about the end of the world. Welcome. It happened. I had my first, hey, I listened to your podcast experience in real life with a real person, a real human, which means they're humans listening. (laughs) So hi, I know that's a stupid thing to say. But honestly, so often it feels like I'm just I'm sitting here talking to myself. And there's no real affirmation or confirmation or proof of I mean, I can see analytics, but like real, real humans. So a real human listen to this. Thank you, real human. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed it. Really, my goal here, what I'm doing with the Racing Home podcast is just giving myself a place to keep myself accountable to myself. So I'm tracking my writing progress. I am still on track. So if you've been tracking along with me, you know that my goal is to reach 70,000 words in my manuscript before the end of the year. So time is ticking away really quickly. I don't know how we're here. It is snowing outside my window right now. It is December 11th, Monday, December 11th, when I'm recording this. And my word count is at 67,032 words. So I am less than 3,000 words away from my goal. To be clear, that goal of 70,000 does not mean my draft is done. It will require so much work. What's happening as I'm writing is I'm jumping all over the place. There's going to be a lot of um, moving around of scenes, further development of scenes and characters. The point of a first draft is just to get the main story out. So I have a beginning, a middle an end or like a cliffhanger to book two, which is actually, it's a whole new experience for me. I've never written with the intention of a series. So that is proving to be a different challenge in itself. And I mean, it's interesting and there's so much in book two that I want to be writing right now, but I know my focus has to be on book one, but book two is going to be quite exciting because it's how are these people going to survive after after the end of the world? So the, the vast majority of humanity is gone. How does this small little pocket survive? And what does that do to dynamics? And what, what 
inner hidden natures emerge in that kind of a situation. So I'm excited to dive into that. But yeah, I, I, I have to like curb that enthusiasm and focus on telling the story that leads up to that end of the world, which in itself is really exciting. I mean, fire and like all hell breaks loose. I think there's part of me that's afraid of that though too. And I've written so many characters that I I just, I love them deeply. And I feel like you would be my best friend in real life. And I wrote them really for the full, the sole purpose, before I fell in love with them, the sole purpose of killing them, <laughs> which this, it's a terrible power that I'm wielding. And uh, I don't, I don't like it, but I hope that you like it on the, on the other end of it when it all, when it's all said and done. So today uh, I wanted to talk about retreat, the importance of the writer's retreat and how that can serve you as a writer or how by supporting the writer in your life, by blessing them with that permission to go on retreat for their writing. Like what, what is the value in that? So this is kind of sparked by a retreat that I am planning. Twice a year, I host the 12 hour intensive, which is, I shared about that last week on the podcast. And I've met some really incredible people through hosting that event. And one of them has reached out to me and invited me to a retreat. It's in an old schoolhouse. It's not too far from where I am, but February, we're going to get together for a couple days and nights and we're just going to write and work on our stuff. So my hope is if I reach my goal by February, then I'll be kind of deep in the editing world. My, I would really like to take a break, let the story rest and then come back and revisit it in February and really dive in. I don't know if I'll be able to do that. We'll see. I don't know how my goals are going to be reimagined when I hit that December 31st. I may dive right into book two, start drafting, let book one rest, and um, then I can explore some of those things that I'm excited about exploring and not lose the momentum of my daily writing because I think that has been really, really good for me and important for me to understand that uh, even if you're only writing a couple hundred words a day, you're showing up, you're putting your butt in the chair and you're getting stuff done. So that's been, that's been a really important lesson for me to learn. And it's super easy. Like I, I can be, I'm in my office at eight. I'm done my writing goal for the day by eight 30. It doesn't take long to write a few hundred words. So yeah, I don't want to lose that. So this is so rambly. Like, why are you even here listening to this? I'm so sorry. So the February retreat, it's just going to be women gathering in this schoolhouse. We're going to take turns feeding each other, I think. I don't even know how it's going to work. I know there's a coffee maker. That's all I need. <laughs> and a bed. It's fine. But retreat is so important because it's a real tangible way to remove yourself from all the distractions of life, to put yourself in a new location where your responsibilities are different and really your only focus needs to be writing. So I've done this solo and I have done this with other writers and both have huge 
selling points. Both are really, really valuable and important. Doing it with other people builds community. It's camaraderie. It's just being in a space with others who share similar goals, similar values is so meaningful and I don't even know how to put into words what it means to share space with other writers, which is why I believe so strongly in the 12 hour intensive. And I'm so excited to be able to do this with a new group of women. So a, a couple that attend that will be attending this February one, I believe, I believe at least two of them have attended my 12 hour. So it will be an interesting shift to not be the host and to just be a participant. And I'm looking forward to that because um, the pressure that comes with hosting the 12 hour intensive is certainly different than just showing up and writing. So that that'll be a nice break for me. But I will say I love a solo writing retreat. When I first started thinking I really need to put put the gas down and get this story written um, because I really felt like I was losing myself in my business and in other people's projects and I I was just ignoring myself and that's not acceptable. I am most fully myself when I'm giving myself space to tell stories, to to write. So in July of 2023, I booked myself a campsite in my town. So like five minutes from my house, I booked a campsite for two nights or three nights. I don't know. It was a good stretch of time. Took my camper van, all the groceries, parked, plugged in, and I, I was off to the races. It was the real reset that I needed to reintroduce myself to my story and the characters I'd already developed and just to start taking it that next step. Over that time, I think I got five or, five or 6,000 words written and felt a real new resurgence of just fire for my story. And I mean, the rest is history. You've, you've kind of seen me take off with it and really lean in. If you're not disciplined, you can't go on retreat. Like that, that's the tough love, the real truth. Because I could have gone and just enjoyed not having to serve anybody, like just being in the quiet, being in the forest, sitting by myself. I don't have to make dinner for anyone but myself. I have to, I only have to serve my own timeline. So if you're someone who is easily distracted or not super motivated about what you're working on, if you get caught up in like hours of scrolling on your phone, if you're easily distracted by social media or emails or even work, a solo retreat is not something I would recommend for you right now. You need to go with other people because when you're sharing space with others and there's a chance that they might, you know, look at your screen or glance over and see you scrolling on your phone, you're more likely to stay focused just because of that external pressure of you want them to think that you're working just as hard as they are. I mean, you're your own boss. When you're writing, when you're focused on a project, it's up to you to focus. And maybe you don't care if other people are like, oh, look at them wasting their time on Instagram. I care. I'm like, no, no, I'm I'm here working. I'm the hardest worker in this room. I, I'm the most dedicated to my project. 
And of course that's ridiculous, but it's a reality for me. Like I, I want to project this image of really focused, dedicated, passionate writer. And so if others are there, I'm going to follow through on that. Now I am, I am very good at solo retreat because I am a total introvert. I'm very, very happy alone, which is why I, I'm doing really well as a solopreneur working in an office full time with no other humans. I, I love it. I really like my own company and I'm not afraid of silence. I'm really good in the quiet. I'm really good alone. So when I took that solo retreat, I was really, really productive and I took books to read because I thought, well, maybe I won't be able to push myself on a story because I don't really know where it's going or like, what am I actually going to work on? I don't think I even cracked a book open during that time. I was so focused, so much so that I didn't brush my hair for two days. I, I, I went for a walk after dinner every night through the forest. There's a, there's a nice little path at this campground down to the water, um, to some waterfalls. It's really beautiful. And there weren't people around because it was um, early enough in the season. that and, and I went during the week. So there weren't a lot of campers around which I doubled, tripled, quadrupled my joy in the whole experience. But yeah, I, I stopped and I wanted to take a selfie of myself. Like, hey, I'm, I'm on retreat. I'm out for a walk. Look at me being healthy. And realized <laughs> when I took that picture, like, mm, I haven't brushed my hair since I've been here. I mean, that's embarrassing. But there's real freedom in just being alone, not having anyone to impress and just digging in and the satisfaction I had at the end of that time that I had really succeeded at something like that really helped propel me forward. So if there's a writer in your life and you haven't seen them go on retreat, encourage them to do that. It doesn't have to be for three days or doesn't have to be overnight. It can just be go to the coffee shop for three hours and work away from the normal distractions of home. That that really counts for a lot. And you kind of get brownie partner points there because um, they'll see that you are honoring what they want. Um, and if you are a writer, I strongly encourage you to make this time. And again, it doesn't have to cost you a lot. You don't have to go far from home. Like I said, I was minutes down the road, but it feels like you're fully separated from your normal life, which allows space to do the thing that you really want to be doing. So that's my encouragement for you today. Retreat is everything. It is a treat. It's a treat for the thing that you're passionate about. And um, lean in. I am trying to do it at least once a year. Hopefully, I'm hoping for twice at least in 2024. So there'll be the February one. And then I want to go back to that campground because that was such a positive, quiet, gentle experience for me. And then also things like the 12-hour intensive that I host. If you're local-ish to me, um, pay attention and come to those because that's another real way to serve your story. And it's a way I can help you provide space for that. I'm also going to do quarterly write-ins at the library in my town. So again, locals come for that. The last one they did, they let me do it for free 
the next one might have like a $5 price tag attached just to cover refreshments. But there are really cost-effective ways to treat yourself to retreat. So that's what I want you to do. I will wrap this up by carrying on with the excerpt I opened with, which was uh, my character Jude. She's in her old RV. She's on her way to Thunder Bay. I'll be talking to you soon in the next few weeks about research trips. Last summer, I went on a research trip to Thunder Bay. There's a lot of important locations that I needed to experience. And that was really, really special. So that scene that I opened this podcast with was super inspired by our drive. So I'll just carry on with with a little bit of the rest of that scene that I opened with. She sprayed her hair with dry shampoo and tussled it aggressively to work the powder down to her scalp. It smelled like what she thought a California girl should smell like. Coconut, pineapple, sunshine. Her dark hair fell across her left eye, long in front and nearly shaved in back. She pushed it out of her vision and pulled an outfit from the rack. Nothing fancy. She'd resigned herself to be the every woman because people trusted they were having an honest conversation that way. Jeans and a simple top. She changed her socks, but not before cleaning her feet with a baby wipe, boots, belt, jacket. She swilled a mouth of Listerine and spit it in the sink before laying on a swipe of cherry chapstick and pinching her cheeks. Her mother always told her she was blessed with youth. At 28, she could still pass for a high school student if she ever wanted to. Her skin was smooth. Morning yoga on a mat in the desk beside the RV kept her body lean and her mind sharp. Three years ago, a film reporter tried to call her a prodigy when her debut documentary, The Shadow of Eve, took top acclaim at an international festival. I'm neither a prodigy nor a child, Judah told him. To be either, I would have had to done a lot more with a lot less. I'm a storyteller. I don't need to be more than that. Despite her resistance to recognition, that accomplishment had put her at the forefront of a feminist movement she didn't want to lead. Being a strong woman was one thing. Leading a generation of women into a new centric future was not something she was passionate about. I told a story, she said, but it was not my own. Still, it was this acclaim that gave her the credibility to put her on the road to Eden. The irony wasn't lost in her. Her first film riding the coattails of the woman God tossed out of his garden, now here she was, about to enter the Eden of a different kind of God. The universe had a strange sense of humor she was dying to figure out. She thought the answers might lie on the other side of a lens. You can afford a nice tour bus now, Jude, her mother had said. A reliable vehicle, a driver, a crew even. But you believe in living an authentic life. When I sat in my director's craft lectures, I didn't picture Hollywood. I didn't want bright lights and red carpets. When I dreamed about my future as a filmmaker, I dreamed of hard work. I dreamed of earning it. I dreamed of finding stories, not making stories that came to me. The gift is in the discovery. It's in turning things over. It's in getting dirty and taking risks and finding answers to the questions I didn't even know I wanted to ask. You've always had a little poet in you, Jude. Chin up, bright eyes. We'll talk again soon. Racing Home is a Chicken House Press production. Theme music by Alex Grohl and Alana Rusnak.
If you would like to support my writing journey with a small financial donation, you may do so by visiting bio.site slash Alana Rusnak. That link is available in the show notes. You can make a donation of any size of your choosing and it will go towards funding the production of this book. Writing takes a lot of time, a lot of energy. It requires a lot of coffee and chocolate. So if you want to help out, that's one way you can do it. Donations over $50 will be automatically signed up to receive a signed copy of When the Trees All Burn at least one week before official launch.